This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast. And I'm joined this evening by Dean Atkinson, who's making his debut on the podcast. We're also joined by a very special guest, Bobby Gould. Bobby started his career at Coventry in 1963, making over 80 appearances and scoring 40 goals, before going on to have spells at Arsenal, Wolves and West Ham, just to name a few. Bobby returned to the Sky Blues as a manager in 1983, and he also had a second spell in 1992. Bobby, thanks for joining us on the show this evening to share your Sky Blue story with our listeners. Thank you very much indeed. It, it's It's been a long time coming round, hasn't it? We had it scheduled for early <laughs> early on in the year and then uh, yeah. somebody, so, somebody uh, disappeared to New Zealand and uh, I'm back in the UK and um, looking forward to uh, this wonderful technique of... Uh, computers that we have but yeah. to, to tell you listeners out there uh, i already made a right mess of it earlier on <laughs> <laughs> well we've got we've got you here now bobby that's the that's the main thing and like i said it's been a been a tricky year but yeah good good to have a little bit of your time to to share your story so yeah what i guess what we want to do really is go right back to the start and um i know you sort of grew up in coventry it'd be good to hear a little bit about your sort of upbringing and and you know if did you support the sky blues as a kid for example um, it wasn't the Sky Sky Blues. My granddad, um, Alfred Ernest Gould, who lived in uh, 140 Cliffordbridge Road, he uh, um, he started to take me up to watch Coventry City play when I was five years of age, and that was 1951. 
So um, a, a little story here. My granddad uh, had a brother, Harry, who lived on the Walsgrave Road. Harry had, had pigeons, and um, we used to go to the game with a pigeon in a bag. And um, I, I was educated in that my, my granddad sent his brother the full-time result because his wife wouldn't let him listen to the radio. <laughs> So yeah. my uncle, my uncle Harry had this. He had a pigeon. We 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 threw it out of the south stand, and that was my introduction to Coventry City. And I've been a um, a fan uh, for since 1951. Now, brilliant. And did you have any sort of um, heroes when you were growing up um, as well, a kid? Oh yeah, Ridge Matthews. Yeah, was, yeah. He, he was. Uh, he had a clubhouse in uh, in Coventry. Uh, Near uh, where where we go in the Walsgrave pub, and I used to go and sit outside and just just ask him a few questions about Coventry City and what it was all all about, and because he was the first international goalkeeper for for Coventry City, and he was a he was a f- fantastic fellow, and I was so fortunate to uh, um, watch him watch him play, and then watch him play for England, and then he then he went to Chelsea, sadly. Mm. And how did you get interested in football from a sort of playing point of view? Um, I was a, well. My grandma Morton um, was, just, was Scottish, and my mum Helen. They came down to uh, work with my granddad Bob Morton, who was at uh, Binley Pit, and um, he he played Scottish football, and he, he played for Blantyre Vicks. And then my grand uh, Gould, my grandfather Gould, he had a trial for Aston Villa. Mm. So. It was, you see, it, it, we look back and uh, after all these years, and it was definitely in the blood. And, and my brother Trevor, like he played for Coventry City as well, and he he played at Wembley before I did. He played there for England schoolboys against Scotland schoolboys in front mm. of a hundred thousand. So we 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 just think it was it was in the blood naturally, and uh, so that's where it all started from. And Bobby, you signed as an apprentice, age sixteen. Um, how did that come about? Well, the the actual fact was uh, at uh, at fifteen years of age, uh, we left school. I left I left Caledon Castle, and in the evening when I left Caledon Castle, my dad, uh, Roy Gould, drove me in a Humber comma cob van um, across to Birmingham. And I had a trial that night for Birmingham City. And Birmingham City actually wanted to sign me, but I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to travel anywhere. And it would have been too much to get on the Midland Red from, from Paul Meadow and go all the way over to Birmingham and then come all the way back to Coventry. So I said, no, thank you. And uh, Coventry City came in. And I, I actually played for Coventry City in 1961 in the B, in the B team. And, and my first game was August the 19th, 1961. Cumbria City B played English Electric at rugby, at rugby, and we lost 3-1. But I, I scored the Cumbria goal. And that was, that was my, my starting period. And I was mm. there for about 12 weeks. And, uh, and unfortunately, the, the manager um, decided that I wasn't going to be good enough and I, I was dismissed from Coventry as a 15-year-old. And okay. So I then went to work for uh, Daly & Sons as a heating and ventilating engineer. Um, and I was with uh, those for that, that company for well over 15 to 18 months. And I, I played local football. I played all the way around throughout 
played for St James's in local football. At, okay, yeah. And all, and it was just something that was there. And I had the opportunity to play um, for these teams, and I was selected for the Birmingham and Warwickshire 11s. And so my my career started off, and and then as as it got to a point where Coventry City weren't doing very well and um, they were in a situation of uh, Billy Frith, the manager, got the sack and a gentleman called Jimmy Hill came in to the club. Derek, <laughs> Derek Robbins came in and and, and and selected Jimmy Hill and he decided to have all the, all the local lads back that were in a position of... Um, um, not being successful, and I, I drove. I, I rode from Walsgrave out to Shilton on a Sunday morning. Had a had a trial for Coventry at Shilton, and Jimmy all said, "I'd like you to come back this afternoon." And I said, "No, I'm not coming back this afternoon." He said, "Will you come back next Sunday?" I said, "Yeah, I'll come back next <laughs> Sunday." So I went back next Sunday. Um, I played well again in this trial game, and. Jimmy Hill came up to me, he says, I'd like you to be, sign as an apprentice professional. I said, well, that'd be fantastic. He says, before you sign, he, he said, I said, um, he said to me, he said, why didn't you come back last Sunday afternoon? I says, well, Mr. Hill, I says, I work five and a half days a week. I play set, soccer on a Saturday. And my father, Roy Henry Gould, is in hospital. Um, he's, he's lost the, his retinas and mm. he's, go, he's going blind. So I said, and Sunday afternoon was the only opportunity, Mr. Hill, that I could get to see my dad. And he looked at me and he just winked. He says, me and you will be okay. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, 80 games, like you just quoted, 80 games and over yeah. 40 goals for, for Jimmy Hill. And that's how, that, that's how I came to go back to Coventry City the second time around. Mm. And you were at the club when we got promoted from Division 3, but you weren't um, a professional yet. Um, it must have been an exciting time to be involved with the club and sort of seeing its rise. Yeah, but I made I made my debut at seventeen. Um, I've I've got a list of all my games that I, that I ever played. To be perfectly honest, and I was in a situation of making my debut. It was in nineteen sixty three, sixty four. It was the fifteenth fifteenth game of the season. It was mm. first team versus Shrewsbury at Gay Meadow, and we drew nil-nil. And there was a crowd of thirteen thousand six hundred and nineteen, and that was my that was my debut for Coventry City. I replaced my hero George Hudson, who was a wonderful, wonderful centre forward, but he got injured on the Saturday when they when they they beat Shrewsbury eight eight nil, and uh, he was injured, and that was my opportunity to to make my de debut against Shrewsbury for Coventry City. And you, you signed as a professional in 1964. Talk us through that, Bobby. 1964. Well, it was it was a, it was a great feeling. It, it really, really was to to achieve something when somebody had turned around to me like uh, like Billy Frith and he said, "No, you're not going to be good enough." And what Jimmy Hill did for me, I, I'd never ever be able to repay him enough for what he, he gave me the opportunity. Um, the next season, that, that season, and I, I played eight league games, and I, I actually scored three three goals. So, I, I, my, it's funny. It's funny because 
in the reserves, we played in the football combination. I went down to Fratton Park and we played against we played against Portsmouth reserves, and I hit a twenty five yarder. And believe mm. me, it was a twenty five yarder, and it ended up in the back of the net. And then I went down. I went down with the first team and made played my third game for the the, the club. And it was at Portsmouth. And funnily enough, uh, I, I I scored it. I scored down at Portsmouth for the first team. Um, in this in the senior game, so for, I love Fratton Park. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, so so that is it's it's history, but it's also something that you can look on, look back on, and thinking how lucky you were. Yeah, absolutely. And you just sort of mentioned your your goal scoring record. You know, forty goals in eighty odd appearances, which you know helped the Sky Blues to win the second division title in the sixty six sixty seven season. Um, talk us through that season, Bobby. Well. I'm just turning the pages. We actually we actually played Hull City the first game at Highfield Road, and that was um, uh, we we won one nil, and then we went down to Plymouth Argyle and we got we got hammered at Home Park four two. We came back and we went to and that's where I uh, and that's when I scored at, um, for against Portsmouth as well um, at Fratton Park. That was mm. that goal, and we and we got on a roll then we. We won. We 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 won two 0 at, at Portsmouth. We 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 won at home to to Plymouth, who'd beaten us. We we drew against Birmingham City. So we we were on a run, and, mm. and, and it was a great it was a great team. There was great camaraderie and everything else. And and the, and the, and J H uh, Jimmy Hill was he was a great ma- manager, and he had a, a great coach alongside him who was Alan Dix, who yeah. who, uh, who was at Chelsea and. Uh, as a player and, and came and he, he took the he took all the training Jimmy Jimmy Hill very rarely took the training because he was a, he was a manager yeah exactly and, yeah. and, and that manager. was his that was his job and he went around and bought the players and we used to see him occasionally at um, at Wrighton and he, he he was in charge of the football club and he was very very knowledgeable about the game in in indeed mm. and at your time at Coventry, who who were some of the best players you you played alongside, in your opinion? <laughs> uh, Bill Glazier in goal, uh, he, he was formidable. George Curtis was 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 he was the best player centre half I I ever witnessed play for mm. Coventry City. Um, George, Ronnie Reese, you know they talk about wingers. And he had this balance. He had a wonderful run, and I'm not sure whether you've seen the goal against um, uh, Bolton Wanderers when Ronnie picks the ball up in a, in, a, in deep in our half, and he went on an amazing dribble, put it into mm. the six-yard box, and fortunately for me, I, I was there to score the goal. But there were some great p- players, you know. The pre- previously to that, you, you know, I, 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 admi- I admired uh, like. Uh, George Hudson, and then yeah. we had we had Willie Willie Humphreys and Hubert Barr and J- Jimmy Hill, and I brought them over from Ireland, Northern Ireland, and it, and, and it was fascinating to see how the team was put together. We had we had Ronnie Farmer who was who was a stalwart. He came through the um, the, the, the club, and he, he he was born in Guernsey, went to Nottingham Forest, joined Cumbria City, and he had a fantastic. He never his his penalties were phenomenal, and. Yeah. Uh, he used to practice them at Tyfield Road, and Alex Smith, the groundsman, used to go start raving mad because Ronnie was practicing <laughs> taking all these penalties. But fortunately, fortunately, Ronnie Ronnie never missed a penalty for Coventry City. Mm. 
I could roll on and roll on about Mick Kearns was a stalwart, uh, great uh, Deepmar Brook. Uh, mm. The names that were there at the club, uh, you know, and we we loved the club. We travelled. We we were a great team, and we were a great unit. Mm. And you obviously moved to to Arsenal in in 1968. Um, was it was that a difficult decision, or was it quite an easy one? No, it was quite easy. Um, I missed Jimmy Hill. Uh, uh, Noel Cantwell came in from um, being uh, associated to the PFA. He came in. Uh, I scored a few goals against Arsenal. I think it hurt them. They, they came in. They paid £90,000 for me, which is uh, a lot of money. The, the other player to, that travelled uh, before me was Alan Evans, he went from Wolverhampton Wanderers to to Liverpool for a hundred thousand pounds. So, how much would that be these days? I, 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 would, I wouldn't like to guess. <laughs> so I went to Arsenal, and uh, it was a new experience. Mm. And obviously, you played for a number of big clubs. You know, following your time at Coventry, um, what were some of the, I guess, the memories and, and maybe some of the good times you had at those those other big clubs? Well, the first the first thing that happened for me at Arsenal was that we got through to the um, the League Cup final um, at, at Wembley. But Wembley was a, an atrocious day um, for the game against Swindon, and the pitch had been destroyed by um, the Great Horse of the Year show, and it had damaged all the grain, all the drains, and and the people they couldn't get the water off the top of the pitches, and it was diabolical and. We, we virtually walked out, Frank McClintock, George Gray and Bob Wilson. We were in tears to see Wembley as it was. And mm. We were 1-0 down and then um, I, 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 Paul got cleared into his, his Swindon half. I, chal- I challenged for it, spun up in the air and I, I emptied it, I edited it into an, into an empty goal. So that, that was a fantastic thing for me, you know, as, to score at Wembley and you, you never lose it. And... Uh, Where I am at the moment doing this interview from, I'm up in my loft and uh, I've I've got my Arsenal shirt that I actually scored that goal with that that day. I'm I'm just I'm staring at it, the number ten now. So, you know, there's many many happy memories that you you know along the way the the football career I had and when I was at Callan Castle that when I was leaving. uh, a careers officer came up to me. I was 15 years of age, and I was in um, Howard House. And this careers officer said to me, "Gordy says, what do you want to do for a living?" I said, "Sir, I'd like to be a prof- I'd like to be a professional footballer." He said, "Gold dead end job." <laughs> Brilliant. I, I'd like to show him my I'd like to show him all my scrapbooks if I could now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, with the clubs you played for, you you never sort of stayed anywhere for particularly long was there any reason why you sort of didn't settle at a club and and you know get you know hundreds of games under your belt at, at one place um it, it didn't work out it didn't work out that way to be perfectly honest that, that I was always um aware that I could score goals mm. and if, if somebody didn't think I was good enough to score goals and I was going to waste my time in the reserves um, I, I wasn't that kind of a person. I wanted to be in the first team. I didn't want to be in anybody's reserve team. And it was just that I wanted to be where I wanted to be. And I made those decisions. 
Um, and the only person that I can say thank you to is uh, is my wife, Marjorie. Mm. We both got married when we were 20. And she she was a, a wonderful homemaker. She still is to this day. She was a she was a hairdresser. Uh, on a Sunday night, I went out uh, with one of the lads, and we went to the Locarno ballroom um, mm. in the pre, in the precinct. Um, and my mate said to me, "I'll take the little one," and I said, "I'll take the big one." And the big one is Marjorie, and we still <laughs> we still get together after fifty two years of married right. life. Of married life, you know, we've had a wonderful time, and 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 she was the she was the rock base of of me going. I was going to be in a first team wherever it was. I wasn't going to spend my time in time in somebody else's reserve team, and mm. and that and that's what we did as a family. And we had, we've had a wonderful. We had two wonderful sons, Jonathan and Richard. Um, Jonathan, goalkeeping coach at Preston North End, yeah, uh, and had a, had a wonderful um, career with uh, with Combe City, and and then he and then he went to Bradford, and then he went to Glasgow Celtic, and and he had a fantastic time. Richard, our youngest son, I say our youngest, he's he's fifty, and Jonathan's fifty two. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Richard's at um, Surrey Cricket Club is as a CEO of uh, Surrey Cricket Club. So the two sons have done marvellously well. And, and to Marjorie, I've got to thank her for every step of the way. Yeah, brilliant. No, it's interesting oh, to hear that. Say behind every good man is a good woman, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, no, she, she's better than me, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, she's, say, she's, it... she's a great chef. She's a great yeah. chef. She, <laughs> I, I, I admire her and everything, but no, we've had a great relationship. Mm. I was going to say, it's interesting to hear sort of like moving around the, the different clubs, maybe to sort of test yourself at, at different places, um, camp, you know, be a good thing to do sometimes rather than just, there's obviously players who spend their entire careers at one club, but um, sometimes it's good to go, go about and test yourself. And like you said, always um, be sort of recognised for your ability at different different places. Yeah, it's like I was it's somewhere in the region of four, 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 four hundred and fifty thousand pound. I, I, tra- I, I, I actually travelled around the country for, um, and don't forget, I was getting five percent of that as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it went nicely into a pension account, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. You, so, um, you sort of touched on just there some of the the Coventry City players that you played alongside, but. At, at the other clubs you played for, um, who were some of the some of the best players at those clubs? I don't think the programme's got long enough for that. <laughs> um, one of them was Bob Wilson. Um, Bob Wilson yep. was struggling to get in the Arsenal team, um, and uh, we we were roommates. We I was trying to make, break my way in, and, and and Bob Wilson was was a great fellow. Brave, brave, one of the bravest goalkeepers I ever seen. He, he'd go down at people's feet, and and, and, and you know he, he was fantastic as a shot stopper as well. Um, and we're still great friends. And Marge and uh, Megs, his wife, we, we we all get on so well together. Um, George Graham at uh, Arsenal, uh, Frank McClintock, Geordie Armstrong sadly passed away. And yeah, yeah, and uh, also you. Yeah, there's times when you look back and, you know, Trevor Brooking, Billy Bonds, uh, Bobby Ferguson, the goalkeeper, this, this, the number of players that I had the opportunity to play with and, and I enjoy, you know, to enjoy it and, and, and have a good relationship and make sure that, 
you, you become a winner, you know. And I think I'm an only one of the only people in the world uh, to have won the FA Cup as a manager and uh, to win it, uh, win it as a player. And I never went on the field to play yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, at, uh, at West Ham, John John uh, John Lyle and Ron Greenwood just, uh, made me substitute, and uh, I, I I I never got on the field of play at Wembley um, with in the FA Cup. But mm. it gives it gave me fantastic um, base to live off, and uh, and 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 also to to enjoy the, the, being a player there and also being a manager and walking off Wembley with the FA Cup held high. Held high. You obviously had an outstanding playing career, but do you have any regrets, Bobby, at all about that playing career? Um, it's funny you should say that. Uh, n- n- no, n- I, n- I never did because I fulfilled everything I wanted to do. Um, I, and I, I look back and then... I went on coaching courses coming towards the latter stages of my career and I knew I wanted to be a manager stroke coach. And Jimmy Jimmy Hill, as I said earlier on in the interview, was a he, he was a man that you you knew that you could look at him and he would tell you the truth, you know, and, and I, I loved that side of JH. I, I loved it, you know, and and I just feel that I I knew I was going to I wanted to go on into into management and and, and I travelled again I, I took the family to um, Norway we lived in Ullersund in Norway and for two seasons two summers and I, I I knew I had the ability to to understand what it was like to be a player and a, and a man and a manager and and and. and that was something that I I, I channeled in, into my life, and what was going to be at the end of the career, at the end of a football life. So I I, I was forward thinking, and I had a wonderful wonderful time in management. Once again, you have your ups and your downs, and I, I, I move, you know, I moved quickly. If somebody didn't want me, then I'd gone. But I was soon to get back and being offered a, an opportunity to manage or coach a football club. You've you've obviously mentioned Jimmy Hill quite a lot so far. Just what was so influential about that that man? His honesty. He, yeah, he's, it was his honesty. We're playing Ipswich, and we you know the score. We had that scoreboard behind the behind the cop end, and he walked he walked up into the dressing room on a Friday night, and he he walked straight over to me, and and. and I'm 20, I'm 20 or something like that. And he says, you, you are going to score a hat-trick tonight. <laughs> so he turned tail and he walked He walked out of the dressing room. And like, so I'm, I'm the baby of them all, you know, and they're all going, you've got to get a hat-trick, you've got to get a hat-trick, Goldie, you've got to get a hat-trick. So we go out, we got, and after 29 minutes, and I've got a picture of it, is of the uh, scoreboard at the behind the cop end, and it went 9 9, nine. And who was wearing that number nine shirt that night was me. <laughs> and I was walking back to the halfway line, and Jim, I could see Jimmy Hill. He, he never went down in the dugout. He always stood. He always sat in the stand with Derek, Mr. Derek Robbins. And I, I, I looked at him and I said, "You're God, you are." <laughs> and then, you know, but to, to say something like that, and then all of a sudden you go out, you you three nil up, and we beat Ipswich five nil that night. And it was uh, it, that was us leading leading the way to go up to the first division. 
Yeah, it just shows the, the kind of power of the man, really. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. He went on to have a wonderful career on television. And he, 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 was, a, he was the best manager I, I, I ever worked with. Well, we'll move on from your playing career now into sort of your management. And you got a really big break with um, 1979, move, moving with Jeff Hurst as his assistant at Chelsea. Um, how was that working under him and, and sort of learning from him? It was started, there was 10 of us. Um, the FA selected 10 people to go on this um, man management course at Bisham Abbey. So I went and I went and uh, there was a lot of other people there. And Jeff Hurst was, he was my hero, pal. And I used to say to you, do you want a cup of tea, Jeff? I'll <laughs> clean your boots, Jeff. I'll, yeah, I'll do it. Anyway, so we got on. So it was a two-year course. So we had one one year, and then we came back for the second year. And we had we had a, a fantastic introduction into management and, and education, and, and, and we we learned such a lot. And at the end of it, Ersty came up to me. He says, "Goldie says if I ever get a job, he says he says you'll be my number two. So we disappeared, Jeff. Earth, he, he went his way. I went my way. He, and, and then all of a sudden, I'm 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 actually at Hereford uh, with uh, uh, as assistant manager to Mike Bailey, who was my captain at, at Wolves. And he, I, I was driving up to Hereford, Edgar Street. I went into the reception, and a, and a young lady said, uh, "Oh, there's a Mr. Jeff Hurst. Do you know him?" I said, "Do I know him?" She <laughs> says, "Well, she says, well, he's been on the phone, and he's he's, he's trying to ring back." So, uh, as it happened, the phone rang, and he, I, I, she says, "It's Mr. Hurst for you." I says, "I see." I said, "It's Goldie." He says, uh, "What are you doing?" I says, "I'm just about to play for Hereford United Reserves at Edgar Street." He says, "No, you're not, Goldie." He says, "Get get." In your car, you're you're at Stamford Bridge. You're my number two, and we had we had a fantastic two years. Great education again, really. So uh, it was lovely to work with him and another wonderful person and somebody that you, you could trust. And I trusted Jeff all all the way along all the way along along the line. How did you feel in that environment? Because obviously it's different to, to obviously playing, um, and you were sort of brand new to that sort of management role. So how 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 was that different? Uh, I look back over Jimmy Hill about what Jimmy Hill. It was all Jimmy Hill. It was Alan Dix and looking, looking at the manager, looking. Uh, can I relieve him of anything that he's worrying about? And 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 that that should, that's the education you have to learn. You know, I don't know whether you've I, I've read Klopp's um, autobiography. Yeah, and it, it, it's fantastic. He spends all of his life in the third division, second, third division in Germany, and it, it's a great read. It really, really is a great read, and it's an education. And it's looking at your players, and your your players looking at you and saying, "Are you being honest?" And that's what that's the biggest word between player and manager, or as they call them, head coaches, is honesty. And that is what you have to do to key earn the respect of any individual player that's a professional footballer. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And you, you took your first managerial role um, as, as, the, as the leader at Bristol Rovers. And then in 83, you returned to the Sky Blues. Had you always been keen to come back as a manager to the Sky Blues? Of course I was. Yeah. Uh, the, the first opportunity came along and I, I wasn't turning it down. No way. No way, um, and along 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 the way, I I understood as well what it was like not to be um, acknowledged by your manager like Billy Frith and 
I had empathy towards the players. I, I had a great understanding with the majority of players. And I also had an eye for a player to, to bring players from lower divisions and give them the opportunity and blend them in, into being a, a player. And uh, I think my track record at, at Coventry City is, is not a bad one for bringing players in and, and learning, teaching them their trade as they come from a, a lower league up into the higher divisions. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I think that was experiences I, ex I experienced myself and then implemented it into my management style. I suppose it helps when you're, you're sort of comfortable in your own sort of environment. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, left, um, I, I went back home. I, did, I, I, <laughs> I went back home to live with my mum and dad, and they were fantastic. <laughs> I, I, had, I had wonderful parents. My dad, um, unfortunately, lost his eyesight, as I said earlier on in the interview. He never he never actually saw me play as a player, as a, as a, as a player, you know, and that, but he'd love he'd love going to the games when I was playing, and sometimes Marge, my wife, would talk to him about them. And then when I became a manager, he he came and he he listened and he, he used to come. Why didn't you make that change at that certain time? You know, you think, how do you know? When when did you see that? And he said, I said, I always said to him, how do you know that, Dad? He says, well, if you go to a game and you sit next to people and you listen to what they say and he digested it and everything and so uh, yeah there's a uh, wonderful times that football has given the Gould family. I suppose we can't talk about that first stint as Coventry manager without mentioning the the big result versus Liverpool in in 1983 that all-star Liverpool team as well 4-0 victory Terry Gibson hat-trick fantastic. Keep playing the video pal. <laughs> <laughs> it never changes uh, no we Gibbo, Gibbo was at, he was at um, Tottenham, and I didn't think he was being treated fairly. And I wanted him to blend off somebody. I, I you know, I, I, I always played off a big centre, centre heart, centre forward, and and Gibbo had that ability, and he, he, he was a great goal scorer. He, he really was technically. I actually paid two hundred and fifty thousand pound for him when, when I went to Wimbledon. And uh, <clears throat> Sam, a man says, you want a forward? I said, yeah, I want Terry Gibson. He says, where is Terry Gibson? He says, uh, he says I says, he's at Manchester United. I said, he says, what? what? Manchester United, we never afford to buy a player. <laughs> he said, he says, I said, yes. Uh, he, I said, he's worth 250000 And um, Sam, a man, uh, the owner of... Uh, of Wimbledon fainted at that moment, £250,000. Anyway, so I said, I've, I've got to have him. So he says, okay. He says, you, you, I take you out for a meal. And he says, and I, I want you to eat sheep, 12 sheep's testicles. If you eat 12 <laughs> sheep's testicles, I buy Terry Gibson for you. Wow. So, so that's what I had to do to get Gibbo. And Gibbo never, never, ever ever let, let, let me down and he's gone on to have a wonderful time in, in television with Sky and everything mm. great great little lad great little lad yeah, so we, you, um, I, I did mention that Liverpool team but the Sky Blues had some good players Mickey Jean Sam Allardyce Stuart Pearce you had a good side at that time yeah yeah I had you know big Sam Allardyce was at Millwall and, and all round there and, 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 he came, and he came we wanted I wanted somebody like George Curtis you, do you understand what I'm, I'm relating you won't because you never saw George Curtis play but to relate and see George uh, and then I wanted somebody who was going to be hard and then I wanted somebody like Trevor Peake it was and it was putting that blend together 
It was putting a blend together. And, you know, Coventry City was built around George Curtis. Uh, and, and it was that was JH. That's what what he did. He he, he bought players and he, he knitted he, he, he knitted us all together. And that, and that's what I I tried to emulate. And fortunately for me, the you know like look at the nineteen eighty seven cup final team. Uh, I think if you you look through the the records, there's about six or seven or eight that might have been my players I purchased. And mm. that was the opportunity to give them a chance to play for Coventry City. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And just talking about another one of your managerial spells um, at Wimbledon, you um, you won the FA Cup in 1988. You know, funny enough, a year after the Sky Blues won it. Um, would you say this is your proudest achievement as a manager? Oh yeah, God, blimey! Uh, yeah, I, it was lovely because I've been there as a player um, and never played. I'd watched Coventry City the year the, the, the year before for uh, mm. N87. I was actually working for, for BBC Radio that day and did a commentary with a fellow called Don Howe. And, mm. and Don became, he became available. And I took him to Wimbledon with me. And it's funny that he was, he was a commentator that game. I was a commentator. And the next year we went back and we were walking out onto Wembley and, don't ask me how or why, but that's that happened. That happened, and like you're in a situation of of, of making sure that you know you get the right people people around you. Yeah, does it almost sort of inspire you seeing Coventry win the year before to sort of go on and win it with Wimbledon? No, not really, because it's 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 a difficult competition. It's the hardest competition in the world, really. Yeah. Yeah. When you look back at who you've beaten, you go to Mansfield and you you look you're lucky to get a result there. We go to we went to Newcastle, got a result there. You're playing Luton at White Hart Lane, and it and your his, the history of the game, and 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 you look at all the what funny little situations like at Wimbledon. We were very superstitious. Mm. And, we had half of the team that lived from in the in north of the Thames, and we lived, We had half of the team that lived south of the Thames. So I was driving the minibus because I always I was so nervous, and I told our kit man, "I've got to drive it, Sid. I've got to drive it." <laughs> I, you know, I was shaking. So we got we went to one of the bridges in London, and we, we and there was these two police policemen on. On the motorbikes, and I drove up behind. And I says, "Oh, I says, what are you waiting for?" He says, "We're waiting for the Wimbledon coach." I said, "This is it." He says, "No, it's not. It's not the Wimbledon coach." I says, "It is," and I explained why six from north and six from south. And we had an, we were at an escort in the, in the minibus. Wow. 
and I'm driving the minibus. Brilliant. So so we get to White Dart Lane, and there's, there's a, a gentleman there who's a do-gooder, and he says, stop there, you can't come in here with that minibus, you can't come in there. I says, well, if we don't come in there, we are not going to get a game of football. <laughs> <laughs> So there's all these stories that are all there and, you know, you think to yourself, well, this is what happened. That's where we went and that's how we did it. And, uh, yeah. you know, with Wimbledon, the, the lads were, once again, as I said earlier on, lads, it's it's all about respect and honesty. Yeah. You had some characters in that side as well, didn't you? Vinnie Jones, Dennis Wise. Well, uh, that season um, um, of the FA Cup, 87, we scored eighty four percent of our ga- of our goals eighty four percent from dead balls. The the goal that won us the FA Cup final was a dead ball. Who was t- eight t- taking those balls for eighty four percent of the game? Dennis Wise, a wonderful wonderful deliverer of a dead ball. Mm. And you know that, and, and you know you look back. I look back on people like that, you know, and and and, and what ability it is. And you might say, yeah, but it's a dead ball, yeah, but it's it's the delivery. Sanchez yeah. Sanchez gets on the end of it. Alan Cork does a does a, a decoy run. This movement. I I sit at home. I've been sitting watching uh, Brentford and uh, and Preston North End today, and I'm looking at the game. And unfortunately, I think you, I think the supporters today have got a game where they pass the ball. Where uh, uh, Wimbledon, we had to get the ball 144 times in the attacking third, yeah. and we and we had to get 72 crosses in 90 minutes. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was the procedure. I I took that over from Dave Bassett, and you know it it, it was it, it was something that people hated to play against. Mm. But today today I'm watching I'm watching dead ball movements and everything else. You you look at some of the clubs when they when they're practicing dead balls or they've got them in, in the game. They 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 know they're gonna they've got an, an opportunity to score goals, and not only from free play but from dead ball movement. So. Uh, you know, and I and I did that at Coventry City as well. We had we had some good free kicks and corners and everything. Mm. And then you you returned to Coventry in 1992. Um, did you feel there was sort of unfinished business there? Um, yeah, there, yeah, there was re- there was really having been sacked and everything else. Mm. Uh, we had a great time. I had a great time. There's a lot of a lot of money changed hands. A lot of people. Uh, but unfortunately, um, when Peter Robbins uh, decided that it wasn't his um, opportunity to stay at the club, we had a gentleman called Brian Richardson, and uh, I didn't on the Sunday more Sunday evening uh, after a game. Uh, I had a telephone call, and it was from Mr. Brian Richardson, and I, I, if I wanted to walk out. I, I, and I proved it throughout my career that I didn't believe that the people I was working for was the right person. Then I would walk away, and that's what I did when I when I was at um, Coventry City. Mm. I, I didn't believe that Mr. Richard was a, was the right person for me, and uh, I decided I wanted to leave Coventry, and I left ASAP. Mm. Um, and you defied the odds in terms of keeping the Sky Blue safe from relegation. Um, what were some of the highs and perhaps lows of that that spell? I think being lucky, you 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 you, you have to have a bit of luck that goes with you. Mm. 
Um, and uh, the last game of the season, you, you know, there's a, there's a player from Birmingham that scores a goal and he, he's, he's only loaned to you, you know, and and we're in a situation where we, we had a great run, but just after Christmas, I, I got a little bit tired and yeah. I, made some, I made some wrong decisions. And um, you, you do not, people do not realise what the opportunity that you get when you get into the hot seat. But when you get into the hot seat, there's certain periods where you find it really difficult to manage. Yeah, imagine. And a lot of pressure as well there, Bobby. A lot of yeah. pressure at the time. Oh, yeah. And and you're in a situation, you're in a situation like the lads at the bottom of, of, of the Premier League now, you know, like they're going to drop out. How many mil, multi-million pounds are they, are they going to yeah. be? out of and everything else it it, it really it, it is but I, I always had a good relationship with the, my chairman Sam Oman and I we, we're still great great friends you know Ian Jameson was the first manager uh, chairman I managed the club with and, he, and I had a lovely relationship with him but and then, then then I got the sack and everything but it's the right people it's like you two lads working together and it's having that relationship and understanding of what 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 do we get the best from who who goes first who goes second who takes over and all the, all these things that this is what's happening in life today you know we'll never go through this span of what we're going through but who's making the right decisions who's talking about it and everything else and you have to make sure that the people that you work with that you can trust all the way through any problems and mm. if you don't then you, you just walk away and say thank you very much yeah We've talked a lot about sort of players that you played with um, when you were a player, but um, in terms of as a manager, if you had to pick the best player you managed, who would you who would you go for? Me. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, modest. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I've got, I've got, lads, I've got a pile here. I have a pile of letters, and <laughs> it goes back to Coventry, Warwickshire, fourth uh, of February, nineteen sixty-seven. I've got somewhere in the region of 40 little letters, okay? <laughs> 40. And if you want to see them, you can, I'll, take, I'll show you a picture. <laughs> I played against Newcastle United. I missed a chance from seven or eight yards. And I received um, a letter telling me to kill myself. Blimey. Wow. And I... And, and, and I I went to Jimmy Hill. I said, have you seen this? He said, yeah. I said, what do you think? He says, you're going to stand up and you're going to be a man. He says, you're not going to play at Bury next week, but you're going to be substitute. And I was, I've, I've got all these letters. And, they, and, and that told me, that told me, and I'll send you, I, I, you can have them, you can read them all out to all, all the listeners. All the police country people said to me, and, and we talk about people now having bad moments in life and being upset and, you know, and I, I have a determination. My dad went blind. He never saw me, never saw me play. I, 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 want, I want my two sons to be successful and mm. such would they have been. I want my four grandchildren. One is going through a, a bad time at the moment, and, and that is Matthew Gould. He, he's at Spennymoor, got the sack from Spennymoor. Where's mm -hmm. his next club going? We don't know. But he's going he's to make a man of him. You know, yeah. jo Jonathan, you know, we, people out there, and I just feel sorry for some people that, 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 
you've got to have mental strength. You've got to have a mental strength that helps you through these times. We we got a battle together. Marge and I, through this like through through what we're going through at the moment, we we have to be together. And that's what you 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 know you you as you're driving home or if you're at home and you, you just sit down, and you say to yourself, "Have I got that? Am I have I got that power? Have I got that drive? What am I going to do if I lose my job?" And that and that's where you've got to be positive. That I mean, that's really interesting, Bobby. I didn't obviously I, I had no idea that was happening during your early days. What how do you deal with that situation? Because like mental health now in football is obviously a massive issue. Um, and it probably wasn't so much back at, back in your playing days, but how did you deal with it at that time? I I think if if it was if I was perfectly honest, there would have been two outlets. There would have been drinking, and there would have been gambling on on horses. I know it happened in Coventry once with the gambling. I never knew it, uh, uh, with regarding the. the drink the drink whether that came into Coventry but I I, I, I never knew about that but that they, that was their two outlets what outlets do now do people have who've got a mental problem who do they go and see and everything else hey pal you want to come down here come down I'll show you 40 letters that tell me to fight against that individual that sent me that letter and that gave me the strength and you've got to have it's got to come from within got to come from within and Jimmy, Jimmy was a past master at that. Fantastic. How much did you see football change then from sort of your playing days into managerial? Because obviously it was a quite a big span and, you know, the premiership came about with all its money and stuff. Yeah, but it, it all came about. And I was lucky. I, I got an opportunity to go and work with um, Sky Television. I had a, had a lovely period with them. I had four or five years with them. Um, and then I went to uh, work with uh, Talksport. I had, I, I've, been, I've had some great jobs, lads. I really, really have. I've, I've been blessed, uh, and the opportunity now. And like people look at me and they they say, "You've got a suntan, uh, fifty-two weeks of the year." I said, "Yeah." I says, "Where do you?" They said, "Where do you go?" I said, "In, in November." I says, "Margin, Margin, I j- jump on the first plane out of Heathrow, and we go to Auckland, and then our son's got a property in uh, in Hawkes Bay in New Zealand, in the North Island, and we go and live there for three and a half months, and then we decide to come back to the UK, and we have to, oh, see what we come back to, lads. We come back to the sun." <laughs> I'm like, so I got, all year I got, round. Yeah, I got 52 weeks of this. Uh, <laughs> how lucky I am. Yeah, okay. Invested money. Yeah. Am I lucky to be where I am? Yes. But I, I just, I just hope that you know we can get through this unbelievable thing that we're experiencing at the moment. I really, really do. I just wish and hope that we can, we can fight it off and and make sure that you know we, nobody suffers as much as we've been suffering. But there we are. It's it's something you've got to look back, lock on. You've got to look at and, and treat with, you know, and say, where where are we going? What are we going to do? And we just hope people will make the right decisions. Absolutely a tough time for everybody. Um, going back on to sort of another period of your life, uh, one I'm really interested in actually is when you were manager of the Wales team. Now, not many Englishmen manage the, the Welsh national team. So talk us through that sort of experience and how that, that job came about. I was I was in Grenada in the um, 
West Indies. And my best mate is a fellow called Bill Smith. So Bill Smith takes it upon himself to, to pick the phone up and say, Goldie, Goldie, I've got a job for you. I said, yeah, I really want that job, Smithy. I says, I'm lying on a lying on a beach, the sun's shining. And he says, yeah, he says, but he says, it's the Welsh job. I said, do me a favour. Uh, he says, it's the right job for you. It's the right job for you. Anyway, so Ron Atkinson was also in for it. And I came back and somebody said, I had a phone call from a mysterious person. He says, put your name in. So I wrote a letter, put my name in. Um, I went, uh, I was interviewed and uh, they offered me the opportunity to, to become a, a national manager. Lads, I made a mistake. I made, I made a mistake because I'd never played international football. Mm. It is completely different. I so suppose the, it's different because you're managing players yeah, on yeah, a, but, so yeah. not, not day-by-day basis. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but that's, not, that's not it. I'd never played at international level. I'd never played at international level. The only time I played for the international level was when... Uh, was when I think it was um, George Curtis as he testimonial, and Coventry City played against England, and they had the full. And I got a picture of me being in the England team. That was the only time, but I never had the experience of being an international player. And I look back over the history of of that of that period of four years, and that's what let me down. It was not being an international player. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I wanted to be a manager at international level, but I didn't realise how much it was different to club football. Was it? Is it just sort of the way teams set up, or is it? No, it's the, more? It, it's more, it's more than that. It's the having having not had the experience of playing on a Saturday, playing on a Sunday, driving down to Cardiff getting on an aeroplane, travelling over to Italy, travelling all over the world, uh, Brazil, wherever you want to go, and, and having the, and you, you, you don't allocate from going from one, one, one game on a Saturday to the next game on the Wednesday. And it's a completely different changeover. And I didn't have that knowledge or understanding. And I made some, I made some bad mistakes at times, lads. What about um, some of the players you work with there? You know, some of, some of them have got a sort of Coventry aspect to them, like Craig Bellamy, you, you gave him his debut. What was he like to work with? Cool, blimey. It was a, <laughs> it was a pain in the backside. Really? I, lo- I, loved, I loved him. I loved him to death. I really, really did. Suffering at the moment. You know, he'd gone over to Belgium and I, I, I loved him to death. We, I went with um, the under-18s. We went to um, Scandinavia on a tournament. And I didn't just didn't go with the national team. I went with the under-18s. I went with the under-21s if they were playing. And I went with the under-18s, and that's when Bellas was there. And, and Bellas was like, he was he followed me. He, he, everywhere I went, I turned around, there he was. And he had a question, and he wanted an answer. And everywhere I went, boom, 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 boom. And this went on for two or three weeks, pal. And, and and at the end of it, I said to Jimmy, uh, the the the, the uh, under twenty one manager, I said, "What do you think?" He says, "He says you've got to put cotton wool in your ears sometimes." <laughs> anyway, so 
I believed in him, though. I believed him in what people don't realise. He was at Norwich as a kid. He left Wales. He left. He left Cardiff. He left his environment. He went to he went to Norwich, and he wanted and he flew. He used to fly from from Norwich all the way down to Italy and Spain. His his knowledge was phenomenal, phenomenal, and and it was just he was just one of those lads, you know. I gave him his opportunity as a debut against Denmark with 20 minutes to go, came on. He came, no, he came, he was playing. He came on and he scored. And that was his start to his international career. But great lad, great lad. But at this moment in time, suffering mentally. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes as senior figures, you get together and sit down one-on-ones with them and say, okay, let's go, let's go through your career. Let's go through my career. Where did we go wrong? What did we do? And I think we've got we senior players have got a lot to offer. Not only the play, players that are going to play, but those players that have come to the end of their career. I, I'm sure I've got a lot to offer people like in that direction. But there we are. We'll just have to wait and see what life brings before us. Do Do you feel like there should be something there then for those that something more maybe that from the PFA side of things for to help those guys. The PFI have done as much as they can. Um, the, the LMA League Managers Association is phenomenal. LMA phenomenal, and I'm, I'm you know like and, and with with the PFA, yeah, they're, they're going through a rough time. How much money have they got? Where are they gonna where are they gonna shell? Where who are they gonna give it to? And everything else. But I, I just think sometimes when we we get cast aside. You know, I, I I just feel that, you know, we all have something to offer. If it's five minutes, if it's an hour, if it's 10 minutes, whatever, we have got something to offer. And somewhere along the line, I, I think the PFA and the LMA uh, are trying as much as they can. The LMA is a, is a wonderful, wonderful service. And, I, uh, you know, per, perhaps that's where management, as uh, you know, people go and seek. Um, information and, and, and I can only say whether the PFA have got that under their control we'll have to wait and see You're listening to Sky Blues Extra And there was another story I read I'm not sure how true this was but there was a scuffle with John Hartson in one of your sort of ritual rituals you have with the players Was that true? Something yes. that Gary Speed said? Oh yeah, Speedo What a sad a sudden. Sad day that was when yeah. he took his own life, unfortunately. So I go to Wimbledon, but what people don't realise is that at Wimbledon, I'd, I'd gone there as a player when I'd got the sack from Chelsea. Dave Bassett was very kind. He invited me back to training at Wimbledon. And uh, so I joined in and then all of a sudden Vinnie Jones and... Uh, um, Carlton Fairweather might have said said a few words, few words. So they formed a circle, and then the two of them get in and they have a scuffle. There's no biting, there's no pinching, there's no punching. It's just a scuffle. And at the end of it, they get up, shake hands, and walk away. And they're best of mates, so they walk away as a duo. So I had a rough time with John Artson, and we, you know, Ian Rush was coming towards the latter stages of his career. Uh, and anyway, so John Hartson, we, and we were at Newport, and, and Neville Southall 
uh, was a, a very, very kind goalkeeper to me under the circumstances of learning to be a manager or trying to be a ma- learn to be an ma- uh, international manager. Anyway, I said I gave him my watch. He says you're going to have a uh, you're going to have a, a circle with uh, Arsene, isn't you? I said, yeah, you're right. So I get the circle. <laughs> Go through, go go through, go through. Dean Saunders, Mark Hughes, Ryan Giggs. You keep going through. They were all there in this circle, and I I go into the middle and I said to Artson, I says, I want you, I want you. <laughs> I explained what it was and everything else, and we and I was I just about to get the last sentence out, and he hit me, <laughs> hit me like a, 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 a oh, and we rough and we tumble and was no and everything else, and it. And at one moment, I just happened to look up and I saw Mark Hughes and Ryan Giggs. And I thought, would, would Matt Busby and uh, would Matt Busby doing this, or Ferguson do, be doing this, having a fight with one of the players? Uh, anyway, so it all it all ended it all ended really fairly, and and we got the situation cleared off, and he was happy and I was happy. But that night, the, the night after the game, I come. I'm in a hotel with Marjorie, and I take I take my shirt off, and she says, "What's that? What's that? What's that scrape on your back? On the back? You've been with another woman." <laughs> I said, "I said no. I said John Harson is not another woman. I can assure you that." And that was it. That was the, you know that was what was happening with me and John Hartson. So going back to sort of. Um... The current period. Do you still follow the Sky Blues being a cough kid? Do me a favour. Do me a favour. It's the first one, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never lose. You never, you never leave it, lose it. It's it's in your blood. I I, I can remember when they uh, they were the old five because they why were they old five? They always scored five goals. There's a there's a black player, Steve Kalamazoo, that played for Coventry City. Have you read the articles? No. no. They are pounding you. I'm educating you. There's Steve Kalamazoo, and he came all the way over from Africa to play. And, he, and, and, and I, I, watched it. I watched him play. He was an outside right. There's a, there's a, I think it, there's a, been some written information about him of late. So just look, look, look Steve Kalamazoo. Fantastic. That's, that's, that's yeah. Yes, that's my that's my club. You know, it's you you can never take it away from me. You never ever take it away from me. It is my club. Obviously, we've had a superb season this year. What do you think the job Mark Robbins is doing? He has been marvelous. Yeah, marvelous. You take a team that's tra- travels at. A play trades at Brighton, and then you take a team that plays at St Andrews, and it is so difficult, lads. It is so difficult, but he's 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 mastered it. He's handled it. He's bought good players. The young lad that's joining them from Aston Villa today. He's mm. he knows he knows, and it's you know I think he's he's got a great understanding of the game I only phone up I only phone him up when he's he's not doing well <laughs> you haven't spoken much you don't keep recently. on his toes no yeah no I don't keep on his toes I just let him know I'm watching yeah it's it's my it's my club pal mm. yeah it's your club it's our club and that's what you know that's what we got that's what we got to look at and, 
admire and respect and mm. uh, and hopefully hopefully they can make a run in a, in a couple of years in a few years time yeah. for that premier league yeah That's, i was going to say yeah, yeah it's there it's there mm. it's there you've got but you've got to have the right people you've got to have the right coaches you've got to right have, have the right physios you've got to play the right football you've got to you've got to know you know i've got to, i've got to say i get bored with it today lads it's going sideways from sideways to sideways. You get goalkeepers that are give, trying to pass it out from the 18-yard box, and all of a sudden somebody goes and closes him down, and he's got his face with an empty goal. The attacker is face with that. He just side puts it in. It's, it, you, you have to find a game, you know, where did it come from? Who who, who, who was playing this type of football? We, you know, you, you, you've you got to see, it's about scoring goals. They, they tell me how many passes the team's made. I said, sod the passes, how many goals have we scored? <laughs> how many goals have we scored? I'd go, I'd go, it was 1981. In 1981, I was at Chelsea, and a lad called Brian Eastig, and he and I was coming towards the end of the career. And he, he, he we were, he, he had this session where where you go to one side, and then they pass it across the other. And I kept going back. I was just, I said, for God's sake, Bostick! I said, get it up here, <laughs> stick it in the dangerous area. Willie Humphries, Ronnie Reese, all the great wingers, Mickey Jin, you know, they they, they, they they were great wingers and they might have been little, but they had disability, they had the balance, cross the ball. Everybody's now, they're curving that ball in, they're curving the ball in for the near post. That's that's an easy ball to cover. All you've got to do now is drive it back post, drive it back post and get great, Johnny, you know, great goal scorers. And there's a lad called Ray Straw. You look back at Ray Straw's history of goals for Coventry City and he headed them. He headed them in the back of the net. Mm. I'm very passionate. I love the game. My wife will be <laughs> shout, my wife will be shouting up in the locker room. When are you finished? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Bobby. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you said about potentially getting back to the Premier League one day. It, it feels like we're on that sort of similar rise, aren't we, to what, what we did in the 60s and I just wonder what you thought would be the key to sort of keeping that momentum going and, you know, going for another promotion, really. Um, it's making sure that you've got a squad that is the manager's selections. Mm. I, I see too many directors of football these days. Uh, I'm going to be very critical. They have too much of an input. They have too much of an input if I was going to play buy a player, that player would come in my office, and he would sit down and he would talk to me, and mm. we would negotiate. My, my, but I just feel that at times now it's been taken away from the manager, and it's a direct, you know, in, in, they don't have the right title. And, and if if you if you're going to buy a player, then he has to be my choice. Yeah. I spoke to Brian Eastig when I took Brian Eastig to Coventry City and I said, I want the best non-league left back. Uh, he says, I've got one for you at Wheelstone. I said, oh, have you? He says, yeah. He says, I said, they're playing Yeovil. He said, yeah. He said, so I, I, I phoned Marjorie up. I said, you're going out for dinner. Oh, that's nice. So we travelled all the way down to Yeovil. We had fish and chips. I went in the ground and Marjorie says, well, I thought we were having a meal. I said, we've had it. I said, we got in the... We got in the stand. They put me on the front row of the director's box. Within seven minutes, this number three had smashed Yeovil's right winger and he landed in my lap. 
And I turned around to her and I just said, we're going. She says, what do you mean you were going? Just disgraceful. You can't be rude like that. I said, <laughs> so anyway, so half time I said, I'm going. So I got a drive away. Come in the next day. I said to Bostick, I says, I says, how much Wilson take for the left back? He says, about 20 grand. I says, I'll offer him 22,500. So I got on, 22,500. Deal done. Who was it? Stuart, Stuart Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> and the rest, they say, is history. That's it. That's it. But that that that's it. That's a passion that's in me. It's my love. It's it's there. Now, I'm 74. I don't feel <laughs> like it, pal. I still got my faculties. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've made a mistake in any any names or anything. So if anybody wants a manager, I'm here. But don't tell Marge. <laughs> And just one topic we wanted to just bring up very briefly was yeah. obviously with the Sky Blues playing away outside of Coventry and a lot of speculation about the potential return to Coventry. You know, how important is it to have that sort of future in, in the city? It's a must. Mm. It's a must. Um, uh, I have a great feeling for the club and when they went to the Rico. I thought it was a, a wonderful opportunity. Um, unfortunately, uh, the directions have not progressed. Birmingham City have, have been phenomenal. Um, the, the, the coach driver, the physio, you name it, Coventry City have gone into a, a strange football ground and used it to, to the best of their abilities. Got to come home. And there's no two ways around it. Um, um, I just feel that if we come home, um, I might get the opportunity to come back again and, <laughs> and admire yeah. and admire what the Sky Blues wear. Yeah, just absolutely. Give everyone yeah. a further lift, wouldn't it, Bobby? Pardon? It would give oh. everyone a further lift, you know. Cool, blimey. Yeah, it would be an extra. You know that when it when it first took off, it was very successful with. Um, I just think the the owners or the owner of the football club has, you know, I've made a few calls to try and contact her. Unfortunately, haven't been well received or or answered or anything else. And I just want to express what it's like to be 74 years of age, um, possibly wanting your team to go back into the Premier League. Mm. Where and and. That is something that I would passionately like to support somewhere along the line. And Coventry Evening Telegraph has been have been brilliant. Um, the radio stations of Stuart Linnell, great friend of mine, been been wonderful. And I just sin- sincerely hope we get the opportunity for Mark Robbins and his players to yeah. have that opportunity of playing within the boundary of Coventry. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone deserves to see see Coventry in Coventry and. Hopefully we'll, we'll be seeing that next year in the championship all, all being well. We hope so. We hope people can get round a table, discuss it and yeah. say the right words and understand what the game is. This is a, this is a w- wonderful football club. It's mm. a wonderful football club. And we just hope that we get the opportunity to, to show the youngsters of today and let them grow up with a, with a team that, that I've supported since 1951 as a five-year-old and going up into the South Stand. Mm. Thank you very much to my grandfather. Thank you very much to all the Coventry City supporters. And just let's, uh, let's hope Coventry mm. City can go that way and, 
and, and playing commentary. Yeah, absolutely. And Bobby, I'm sure we could chat all evening with you. It's been, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show to share your Sky Blue story. And I'd just like to say on behalf of all of our listeners and all of the Coventry City fans, thanks a lot for your contribution as both a player and as a manager over the years. It's been brilliant. Um, I'm very emotional and I always get like that. Um, but uh, there we are. We're all different types of human beings, but let's all work together. Brilliant. And listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel for exclusive content. And as always, you can get involved in the conversation on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. All you need to do is use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Do you think I'd be able to do that? (laughs) 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 My strength is not on computers. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.